Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, the only show on the internet that talks about Wes Anderson's 2009 fantastic film, Fantastic Mr. Fox, one minute at a time. Condra, I tried to do it just normal today. Are you proud of me? Sure. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Boudreau. And I'm your other host, Condra. And we're here to talk about Minute 81 of Fantastic Mr. Fox, nine squared, as I said last week. I love perfect squares. I'm a real I'm a real math geek in that way. Nerd. <laughs> uh, this is a Mike Birbiglia joke, but it also applies to me. I'm a nerd in that I just like I look like I like math. I don't particularly like math, but I just look enough like I like math. You wear your periodic table shirt periodically. Well, that's chemistry. That's different. No, I know, but that's in the same realm. I feel like. Oh yes, wearing nerdy t-shirts for sure. Uh, minute eighty-one starts with. Mr. Fox is doing a jig, and it ends with uh, the ending title card. Fantastic Mr. Fox, based on the novel by Roald Dahl. Or based on the book, I guess. Didn't say novel. It did not. I wouldn't qualify it as a novel. What makes a novel a novel versus a book? Well, a book is anything that's a book. A novel implies fiction prose. But that's what Fantastic Mr. Fox is. It's just shorter than... Because like, the difference between a novella and a novel is length... So would Fantastic Mr. Fox be a novella? I no, I, because it's a children's book, so it doesn't really matter. I think it's just so much easier to just call something a book, like if calling it's it's like calling something a film versus a movie. You're pretentious. Yeah. Oh wait, were you were you calling me pretentious, or were you just saying that that's what the distinction between a film and a movie is? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we, we get this kind of final scene of everyone dancing. Uh, any, uh, I, I kind of wrote down all the dances that each of them were doing. I wrote dance party, and I think it was in part because of a recent YouTube video I watched. The realization that like a lot of children's movies end in dance parties, and I think oh, that really. Oh, I wrote down a list of a bunch of movies that end in dance parties. We're gonna go through. Yo. <laughs> so do we. Do we want to talk about dance party endings or do we want to talk about this specific dance party? Why don't I first solve our cliffhanger that I left last minute and talk about the song? Okay. Because that, that, that establishes the rest of the dancing and everything else. So the song in question is Let Her Dance by the Bobby Fuller Four, which was released in 1965 and was their major, their first major national hit reaching 100, number 133 on the Billboard charts. So it just barely made it, or just barely didn't make it. And the Bobby Fuller Four, this really, like, they could have been, like, a Buddy Holly type, but some tragic deaths. Um, oh, really? Oh, yeah. The ma- Bobby Fuller was mysteriously found in his car, beaten, and the police claimed it suicide, though there were suggestions that he was could have been killed in another means um there was gasoline in his system now are are they the band that wrote i fought the law no that's a buddy no Holmes. that's a cricket Original. song okay so i just looked them up on spotify and that's their most popular yeah. track on spotify with 11 million plays followed by letter dance of which there are two different versions presumably their album version and the fantastic, fantastic mr fox version yes. and those are about two million and one million plays each and then the next song is like 300,000 plays, which means that people listen to them, but not. Yeah, they didn't have they had, I believe, two albums 
um, yeah, two studio albums and then three singles. They were not a huge band. Uh, they had a lot of turnover with musicians. The when they finally got picked up by a studio, it was it was right after I Fought the Law was released and they changed their name, changed some of the musicians in the band. The producer was like, I like Bobby Fuller the best. So you guys are going to be called Bobby Fuller for uh, which I'm sure didn't help things. So there was a, <laughs> maybe that's why he was found dead. But there was a lot of issue in the band, like from what I was reading and stuff that they were regionally very big, but never really hit the national scale because they didn't have the time. And they were American. They right? were yes. Um, okay. Down they, I believe, from Texas. Um, Ooh, that's where the stars at night are big and bright. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, they're from El Paso. Uh, formed in 1962, and then Bobby Fuller was found dead in 1967. So they really only had five years, um, with only really two, um, two or three of those years being in the large market. So the fact that they do have a couple songs that were big does say a lot for the market at the time, like the 1960s market when you had bands like the Beatles, Buddy Holly. It was a lot of bands covering other people's music and seeing who could do the better version to make it big yeah what was interesting in that time is that like yeah you're right it's you have beatles rolling stones who this is when you're getting like early like bands that would later become popular in the 70s doing their early stuff 67 or you said 65 is when this song came out let her dance that's the more that's the more like rock and roll like 60s era with like happy go lucky rock and roll and then eventually 67 would roll around that's like that's your Sgt. Pepper's era. That's your Pink Floyd starting to come around. I mean, you have That's... Grateful Dead and the Beach Boys in here, too. You have, like, yeah. Woodstock happening in 69, where you, you're starting to get yeah. the rise of those kind of rock and rollers, too. Yeah, Summer of Love. So uh, they're definitely in that early 60s feel where, yeah. like, pre, pre-68, pre, like, pre-revolutionary 60s, when it, when it was, like, like, fun 60s. Well, not that the rest of it wasn't fun. Uh, I wasn't there. I can't say. But also what what's interesting is because Wes Anderson usually pulls these. He, he'll pull a track from Rolling Stones that's like a little bit of a deeper cut. Or he'll pull a, he'll pull a Who song that's like slightly deeper. Or Beach Boys song like Heroes and Villains where yeah. it's like people know it, but they don't know it as well. This one's wild because it's like this is just a song that I feel like no one has really heard. Like unless you're a, like a like a serious like 60s music fan and you're that's like the serious xm satellite radio station that you listen to like this is a song that's probably flown under the radar for most people which is what makes it a great pull for this ending i think so absolutely and it really does kind of give some sense to time and it really is one of those like it's a little story at the end of the day it's about a family and that's why there's this little song that was launched into some popularity because of this movie. But it really reaffirms the scale of the story in that it's not world changing except for these few folks. Yeah, I, it's just, it's just a fun song overall. I, I you you said yes last week that it was a bop. I love this song. It's like an absolute bop. Um, I get it stuck in my head a lot, and I I like. It's got such a fun bass line and this cool like tapping rhythm to it that it was 
it's just a fun song for me it's one of those songs where i like it for like the first minute and then it just kind of keeps going and it's kind of the same thing and i don't really like it as much as it keeps going which is why i like it in the context of this movie because for the like the first minute it is all the stuff with the movie so it's fun same thing with heroes and villains that, that, that was earlier in the movie like the longer it goes on the more bored i get but i like it nonetheless so something else i just wanted to briefly point out because i forgot to do it last time um, that's not related to the music at all, but related to Ash, the wielder of the music. <laughs> the wielder of the music. I feel like a Bill and Ted kind of thing. He is the only one that drinks grape juice, and the rest of them are all drinking apple juice in their juice boxes. And Ash has it all over his face, as we already mentioned. But then once he starts dancing, it like magically disappears. Well, yeah, you got to tidy up for the dance party. Absolutely. So should we talk about dance party endings? Dance party endings. So before I rattle some off, do you like do you have any that you want to say or favorites of yours or Um, I think one of the ones like when I think dance party endings, I think of Shrek first and foremost. I yep. I'm a believer. Donkey on pianos, sung by Eddie Murphy, yeah. Um and then they do it again in Shrek 2 uh with Live in La Vida Loca, but I don't think that one's as good. I do like Shrek 2 a lot. And I think that's a fun end, but I still don't think it's as good as I'm a believer. And then the other one, which is like such a weird difference. Well, I guess they do it a couple of times. Um, Sleeping Beauty, and then they reuse the animation for Beauty and the Beast. Having a dance party, but in a very traditional like man and woman ballroom dancing kind of thing. But it still ends oh, on a that's... dance sequence that is very similar. That's funny because it's a dance sequence, not necessarily like a party with every character in it. Yeah. Well, the new version, the 2017 version of Beauty and the Beast, as well as I would say the, I mean, everyone's watching them in Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast. So all of your like favorite characters are in the scene. They're just not dancing. But the end of the 2017 Beauty and the Beast, they are all dancing, except for Belle's dad and Mrs. Potts for some of it. But some of it she is dancing, so... Um, wait, I wanted to mention... Do you want to talk um, about Shrek more? Oh, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to mention, uh, Shrek, Shrek the Third, which has, which also, they all have song endings in Shrek. Yeah. That's, that's... Their thing. But... Well, four doesn't, I don't feel like it does to the same extent. It's in the credits as opposed to... So, for Shrek the Third, it's Sly and the Family Stone, thank you for letting me be myself again. Oh, right, 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 right. I want to think... But what's always annoyed me about that song is that... In the title of the song is is the uh, phonetic spelling. So wanna. So well, you know, it's thank you, and then filletin me, F A L E T T I N M E, all one word. Ooh. And then B B E, and then the word mice, and then the word elf. I don't like that at all. I hate and that. When I originally saw that, I originally thought that that was a terrible Shrek pun, and then I realized that's that's that is what people refer to that song as. That's what they've always canonically. To that, song as. that is the title. Yeah, canonically, that's it's for letting me be mice elf. I hate that. Which which hate which I hate that, and then it makes me just think: Is that? Are you sure Living La Vida Loca's Shrek Two? Because I think that one might be Shrek Three, and then no, because it's end of Shrek Two uh, has Puss in Boots with Dancing in the Rain on the stage, and I listen to the Shrek Two soundtrack a lot because it has right, want to be Shrek yeah, okay. it has here I need a hero on it, which is like. A jam, and I love that song. If it, if it was in Shrek 2, it would be thematically on the nose because 
thank you for letting me be myself again would be funny in the in the movie where uh shrek and donkey both change their uh forms that would be <laughs> so that that's why i had met had made that association and it's also it's a dance party ending is also something that you're going to get in a lot of musicals um high school musical yeah, your your high school musical. I'm Greece is yeah. a version of that. Although they're also driving off into the sun. Um, the, 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 the other other general music. I was thinking I mean, like musicals trolls. are going to end with a big musical number. I was like, even you you have your more modern movies like Trolls and that Ugly Dolls one that I didn't see, but those all end with that like poppy dance number. All right, so you want, I have a bunch. I have a list of all live action movies that are generally adult movies that all end with dance numbers. All right, Beetlejuice, jump in the line. Excellent. Um, Bridesmaids, which I haven't seen. Yeah, I don't associate the dance party at the end with that as much. <gasps> Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries and Ella Enchanted. Yes. Uh, two ones that I haven't seen: Caddyshack and Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing is the um like the 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 dance. And then it turned into like a smaller like yeah we beat the old rich white people yeah yeah <laughs> I think Caddyshack has the famous line like hey we're all gonna get laid and then they all go into a dance party oh, that's what I read online I've never seen that movie so uh, Blues Brothers yep. uh, Jailhouse Rock yep. which is great because all the people in the jail start dancing on the tables yep. uh, Footloose I read which I haven't seen yep. but makes sense. Yep. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a uh, is a really great one. Isn't that part of the Clerks universe? The the Viewisk universe, you mean? I don't know. That that's a movie you like. I don't care. Um. Yeah. Uh. The, there's a joke at the beginning of the movie that they really like this certain band. I want to say Morris Day in the Time is the name of them. Some something in the Time. I think it's Morris Day. And then there's a joke at the beginning of the movie about that. And then they're like, at the end of the movie, like, they're like, oh, my God, there's a party with Morris Day in the time. And it's like really funny. They all get on stage and dance along with all like every character that's been in the movie. Super fun. Would you count? Uh, so I guess you haven't seen this movie, but um, 10 Things I Hate About You, the end of it, they do like a helicopter performance of, yeah, I Want You to Want Me covered by. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. Would that count? I, I mean, it's like a musical ending, but it's not like a dance party. That's slightly different from a dance party ending, but I think in the same vein, especially because it's the characters singing it. Yeah. There's there's two versions. There's the characters from the movie singing it, the characters from, or multiple versions. Yeah. Characters from the movie singing the song. Yeah, so like Ellen Enchanted. Yeah, there's- Or there's Shrek. Like the band that, there's like the band that they were talking about during the movie, like is suddenly in the movie singing the song. Ten Things I Hate About and You. And then the characters are dancing. Not um, dancing, And that's though. also- that's several of them. It's like a concert ending. And then there's also like someone plays the song on the radio and then everyone kind of dances to that. Fantastic. Mr. That's Fox. more like Beetlejuice and this movie. Um, Night at the Museum. <gasps> yeah. Uh, that's September. Yeah. Uh, Return of the Jedi. That's a fun oh, one. Oh, yeah. Yub Nub. Yub Nub. Slumdog Millionaire. That's a bo- that's your Bollywood ending. Yeah. Uh, this is the end. Uh, the uh, Seth Rogen, oh, Jay yeah, Baruchel yeah, yeah, yeah. film. They all dance to Backstreet Boys at the end. Toy Story Two. Wheezy sings. You got a friend in me, but it's all it's like the big dance version. jazzy version. Uh, and Labyrinth is the last one. Oh I have. yeah. Oh, and uh, one that I I was hesitant on was a uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 
Oh yeah. Because the- all the cartoons start singing along, but then it kind of it's not really it's not really a dance party. It's just that kind of all the their cartoons, so they just start singing at random times anyway. I think that's more on the idea of like ten things I hate about you, where there's just like incidental music in the vicinity. I'm trying to think of like bring it on. Bring it on has one. I'm I'm like trying to go through some like non. Would you count Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where they're playing the music at the end? Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey where they play God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Okay. That one counts. Okay. That's that's that that's more of a concert ending akin to 10 Things I Hate About You. But yeah, it's a dance party ending. It's not really something you think of. It's it's a very natural way to end a movie, especially because and tying it back to Fantastic Mr. Fox now, I guess. It's dancing is a very ex- expressive way. It's like an ultimate form of expression. Uh, another another movie of Wes Anderson's that ends with particularly like a dance party is Rushmore where there's they're literally at like the after party for Max's play and they're all dancing together and it's just it's just a perfect way to like express those emotions in like a non-verbal way which is so funny for someone like Wes Anderson who's whose dialogue is often so like noticeable that it's funny that when it he's able to use do things non-verbally I think though it also gives you like a false sense of joy sometimes. Like you can be tricked into thinking a movie is better. <laughs> a false sense? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking of like Shrek 3 or Shrek 2 for that matter. Like they end in these fun songs that you're like jamming to and you're like having a good time and all your like characters are like dancing and having the ball. And then you're like into it and then you like think about it later or even Yub Nub. Like, yeah, happy party. And then it's like, mm, was it that good? Were they eating stormtroopers? <laughs> Anything's possible. Who knows? So I think it's especially for kids movies in circumstances like Trolls or Ugly Dolls or there are so many like modern kids movies that have this like dance party ending, pop song ending that Chicken Little um, that it can give a false sense of enjoyment. And it is kind of that way to to market a movie in a way that especially for a children's movie that could potentially expand their marketing beyond just the movie and merchandise market to expand their music because soundtracks really aren't a thing anymore, but credit singles are still. Yeah. If you, you get Justin Timberlake can't stop the feeling that's going to attract people to your movie regardless. Yes. And they have, they know already that they have to wait till the end to see it. Yeah. What I will say, what, what I like about this movie is like what like what we said earlier, like this is a song that fits the moment and like is it like isn't a track like this. The movie is what's making the song popular, not the other way around, Correct. which I think is a strength. And in this movie and this 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 is also happens in your other animated kids movies. But there is precedent for them like dan- like dancing during like a weird musical number in the middle of a movie. Because earlier when we had Petey's, Petey's song, song, it was the same thing. Mm hmm. And they all had very similar dance styles. Yes. Which, do we want to talk about the dance styles at all? Yeah, so Fox and Felicity are doing, like, like very fast, like, wavy arms and, like, moving their legs. Very, very fancy. Yeah. Uh, Felicity is a little bit more, like, smooth and wavy, and Fox is a little bit more, like, jagged and straight. But I, in general, it's Tyler's similar. Tyler's trying to do these dances to me, people. I, li- listeners at home. Tyler's trying to do these dances for me over Skype, and I'm just finding it really <laughs> funny, and I'm trying, uh, trying not to laugh out loud. Chris and Agnes are just kind of doing like a like a. They're facing each other, and they're just kind of like 
kind of just doing a little jig with each other. I think the, there's an interesting thing I noticed with Agnes, though. Every time Christofferson, like, kind of moves a little closer, she pushes him away. <laughs> like, nope, save space. That's awesome. And, and then the zoom out, they, they're they no longer dancing together. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Kylie is just doing a dad dance. He's got kind of, like, his hands by his belly, and he's, like, just kind of rocking back and forth. Yep. And then for the zoom out, he's doing the robot. Yep. And then Ash is doing very robot- robotic movements. He's doing, like, your arm out. Kind of just like individual movements that express like individual things. Oh, and what we also get is at first Fox is dancing in the middle and then he like grabs Felicity and she goes in the middle and then Felicity grabs Ash. She like throws him over her head and he's dancing in the middle. Slings so everyone him. gets kind of their moment in the spotlight, which is cool, except Kylie Christopherson and Agnes. They don't get their moment in the spotlight. They're not the primary characters of this movie, obviously. And they're really good dancers. Like something I like about this the, like this style of dance party ending is it's like da- dancing as an expression of the character's emotions not not as like a not as like a fourth wall breaking thing like in your shrek movies but like as a like a general like taking all the joy they feel and expressing it through dance is like it, i just if it, it's a strong moment for them i th- i think of uh I, I i think a lot about west side story because i really like i really like that film and musical and I think about and you just performed there's in it. there's a there's a there's a meta subcontext of West Side Story wherein they could all get along if they just dance together like they're all really good dancers and they're all really good at it so if they just put aside their differences and learned how to dance together they would like everyone in West Side Story would get along <gasps> I've never seen West Side Story other than the version that you were performing in and um, it just makes me think of like Guardians of the Galaxy where they have a dance battle like in Footloose and then a uh, high school musical where you get these two like two people that are against each other Gabriella and actually Tisdale's character Sharpay. whose name is Escape Sharpay I was like she has her own movie and I can't remember her name they dance together and that's kind of their like reuniting but then everything falls apart again for high school musical too so how it. permanent is sequel regression I hate that I think that's one of the strong things about the Descendants trilogy, which provided I haven't seen Descendants 3 yet, and rest in peace, Cameron. But the books serve as continuation points between the films. So, like, the first book happens before the first movie, and then the first movie happens, and then the second book, and then the second movie, and then there's a third book. And it continues on the story that you can still watch the movies on their own, but you have a more fulfilled story if you read the books. That's cool. There's not a lot of stuff in, like, there's not a lot of media out there that has, like, books fill in the gaps. And uh, and, and that's different from stuff like Star Wars where, like, books are written after the fact to fill in the gaps. Correct. And I think that, like, regression doesn't happen in that trilogy like it does in High School Musical. And I really think that's kind of what makes Descendants a little more special. Not to say I don't like Descendants more than I like High School Musical, (laughs) Kenny Ortega. Like, Kenny Ortega is Newsies in High School Musical for me. But he still did a good job in Descendants, too. Descendants as well. And Descendants, too. Descendants, too. Descendants, too, was fine. (laughs) It wasn't as good as the first one. But that story difference was really cool. It was less episodic and it is much more of a narrative in the Star Wars fashion 
because there's that world built with the the novels as well. For the listener at home, uh, The Descendants is a series of uh, Disney Channel original movies, also known as DCOMs, uh, about Yay. about the children of your classic fairy tale characters and the children of villains. So, like, there's Cinderella's child, but then there's also like Ursula's child or whatever. It's not Cinderella's child, but that's fine. Uh, Belle and Adam's child, Ben, is the main male love interest. And Maleficent's daughter is the main female villain character. Yeah. For example. Mal and Ben. So what we should talk about is kind of this final shot of the movie that we're getting. So we so we get a zoom out. We get the ultimate zoom out. So yeah, we're we're zoomed in on the characters and then we start zooming out and we we zoom out really far. We zoom out kind of like up and so we're like seeing this whole supermarket, we're seeing all the aisles filled with shelves and all the stuff, all the food that they're going to be able to steal. And throughout that entire time, they are still dancing. Yeah. Which I think in itself is an animation like awesome element, especially for stop motion that they keep this the music's still playing so they're still dancing yeah, considering the scale of what this final shot would have had to be it's awesome and then you zoom out more through the shelves and then you zoom out through a window yeah. and start seeing the outside of the building that what i call in. a reverse citizen kane yeah uh, for those of you who might not know uh citizen Kane. citizen kane is famous for a shot uh, i also want to see citizen shane uh citizen kane is has a famous <laughs> shot where you start outside on the roof of a building and then you go in through kind of a, a window that's on the roof and it's raining and then you go into the building. It's really cool. Uh, Citizen Shane would be a combination of Citizen Kane, the classic Orson Welles film, and Shane, the famous Western, wherein um, I, 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 need to, I would need to think about this. What would the plot of that be? I don't know. Never mind. I've never seen Shane, so I don't know. Uh, but we zoom out and we come to realize that they are in Boggus Bunsen Bean International Supermarket, which makes me think these three kind of very simple-ish... Far- I mean, they're economically savvy. Well, at least Bean is economically savvy for inventing his own version of the turkey and the apple. Yeah, I feel like Bean's pulling a lot of weight in the supermarket, probably. Yeah, but that they have an international market for something like a supermarket too that usually is incredibly regional specific. Maybe they just like have one store in France and that's all that's like that's it. Hey, we're international. <laughs> uh but it is one more kind of stick it to these villains that they can not only not be sieged, be besieged and they don't need to use that sewer system anymore, but they can also steal their food in a even wider context. So it's not just their home storage anymore. It is their business. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just it's just like a perfect like ending with the dance, the dancing and the 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 the, the supermarket reveal and uh we we finally zoom out and eventually we stop zooming out and from the left comes the title Fantastic Mr. Fox and at the same time up in the sky in the in the background in the distance you see a plane flying fr- flying from right to left kind of this motif of like transportation and movement that's always happening in the background of this movie and the title mm-hmm. coming in and they're coming in in different directions just so great you got to love it yeah the parallel symmetrical shot even persists in the title card which I think is very Wes Anderson-y and just kind of cements the whole 
style of the film. I do want to think about you you mentioned this transportation motif and I think it's something we've kind of explored but not to its fullest extent and this episode is definitely getting long already so we might pause it for the next minute. We will have plenty of conversations to continue to have about this movie and in the credits in terms of wrapping it up. Yeah so I really am curious to think about this transportation motif so we'll put a pin in it and we'll explore it In my classroom I would say we would put that in the parking lot which is funny because there's a parking lot in this shot. Yes. No, I use parking lot for when I'm running meetings sometimes too. So definitely I get that too. And so, yeah, this has been minute 81. And the, 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 the last, the last title comes up. It's based on the book by Roald Dahl. And that's, that's like the end of the movie proper, Condra. It's, sad. it's so sad. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Where are we now? <laughs> Think about how much your life has changed in the last two years. I graduated a master's program. I have a full-time job. I guess my life isn't that different, but yeah, okay. You're an intern. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, you're I'm, teaching. I'm, I'm you're that doing, much closer you're doing to teaching. The good. Um, thank you for <laughs> validating me. Uh, you you got so this, this, Tyler. This has been minute eighty-one. Uh, think about how much uh, our in, our recording quality has improved in the last two years. That's the real progress. I don't even want to go back and listen to an early episode. I can only imagine. So yeah, whenever I tell people to listen, I'm like, don't start at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this has been Minute 81. Join us next time for Minute 82, which will be credits. Oh, boy. Get hyped, people. You think our tangents are bad now? <laughs> Just you wait. It might not be next week, but I want to get a couple guests in in these last couple credits to see if we can... We have five minutes left, to Tyler. See if, to see if we can get some, some other voices in here to talk about the movie as we're wrapping it up and running out of things to say. But we'll see how that okay. works out. Can't make any promises. At Amateur Nerds on Twitter, at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-G-Y. That's my Twitter. Amateur Nerds Present at gmail.com. And yeah, join us next time anywhere you, t- anywhere you find podcasts. Tell a friend, tell a loved one, tell a mistress whom you don't actually love. Tell an enemy. Tell an enemy. And yep. Tell your next door neighbor that you don't really know all that well, but you're like, hey. Make a friend. Podcast. Tell a stranger and be like, hey, do you like Fantastic Mr. Fox? Because there's this wonderful podcast that we could bond over. I don't know you at all. Literally, you are walking by me on the street right now. But we could bond. Let's. Okay. If anyone falls in love over your love of Fantastic Mr. Fox with another person, I will. Um, Me too. I will come to your wedding and give you a thousand dollars. If you get married in New Hampshire, we will have our family member do your wedding for free. Yes. Okay. This is a weird promise to make. <laughs> uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be a contract involved, so I just don't just just don't just try to scam us for money. Uh, but I've been Tyler Boudreaux. I've been Condra. And we hope you have a fantastic day. Fantastic.